0: Well, good evening, and thanks for joining us here at our stripped-down Christmas Eve service. Whether you're here in the room or joining us online, thanks for tuning in. Now, there's been some controversy this Christmas in the city of Rome. In a recent New York Times article, the Vatican's 2020 nativity scene, which is pictured above, was described like this. The three wise men life-size and cylindrical, looked as if constructed from ceramic oil drums. Joseph and Mary, likewise torpedo-shaped, seemed like enormous Bible-themed weebles. Two enigmatic, totemic figures stood in the middle of the platform. One held a shield and a decorative spear and had for a head what appeared to be an overturned cauldron, carved like an angry Halloween jack-o'-lantern. The other wore an astronaut's helmet and held the cratered moon in its hands. One witness said, It's particular. The ones that leave me a little perplexed are the astronauts. It has something to do with progress, I think. Another critic added, The misshapen figures in this nativity scene lack all the grace, proportion, vulnerability, and luminosity one looks for in the manger scene. Another onlooker contributed, It's hideous. Why do they have that one with the horns? What is that? A turkey? This has been a year of unwelcome change for all of us. And apparently, the curse of 2020 has even struck our nativity scenes. But while that nativity scene may have been a swing and a miss, the biblical Christmas story itself is just as good as ever. In fact, even as our lives have been turned upside down, the biblical story has remained the same. Matthew 1 and 2 and Luke 1 and 2 still tell the same story of Jesus' birth that they always have, with all the classic, lovable, sentimental details you remember. And like he's been every other year since the first original nativity scene, through ups and downs, triumphs and tragedies, wars and peace, and yes, even pandemics, Jesus is still the greatest gift God has given sinful men and sinful women living in a fallen world. So tonight we will quickly examine a few of the key figures and the familiar scenes of the Christmas story and remind ourselves of its main point. Who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. So who is Jesus? Matthew chapter 1, verse 1, tells us that he is the son of David, the son of Abraham. Now, what's the big deal about that? David and Abraham had lots of descendants. In that sense, sons of David and sons of Abraham, well, they're a dime a dozen. But it's important to note that Joseph, Jesus's adoptive father, Came from the great Israelite king David's line. And as for Abraham, well, if not for him, David, Joseph, the rest of the nation of Israel, they would have never existed. In Luke chapter 1, verse 32, an angel named Gabriel tells Joseph's young fiancée, Mary, a virgin, mind you, that the Holy Spirit's power would come upon her and she would carry a baby in her womb. This baby, to be named Jesus, would be great. He would be holy. But perhaps most amazingly, Gabriel says this baby will be son of the Most High. This baby would be the Son of God. He will clearly be no normal child. Jesus is not just another son of David. He isn't just another descendant of Abraham. As the son of God himself, dwelling in human flesh, Jesus will be one of a kind. But what will Jesus do? Returning again to Luke chapter 1, verse 32, the angel Gabriel informs Mary that her son will reestablish and ascend King David's long-vacant throne. He will rule over Israel forever. In short, Jesus will fulfill the role of the Jews' long-awaited Messiah. He will be a new prophet like Moses, speaking God's words to God's chosen people. He will be a new priest, restoring the relationship between the faithful God and the stubborn Israelites. He will be a new king, putting Abraham's offspring back on top of the world stage where they belong. But then in Matthew chapter 1, verse 21, Gabriel tells Joseph something strange. He says that the baby in Mary's womb will save his people from their sins. Will save his people from their sins. Things get even more odd in Luke chapter 2 verses 8 through 21. When a group of angels announced to some nameless rugged shepherds. That the birth of this baby is good news of great joy for all the people. Not just Israel, all the people. They say he is the Savior. They say he is Christ the Lord. And then in Matthew chapter 2, verse 2, a group of mysterious, exotic, and definitely non-Jewish wise men arrive in Jerusalem looking for this baby, looking for the king of the Jews. This baby will be unique. This baby will do unique things. This baby will be more than just Israel's Messiah. He will be the rescue for sinners from every tribe, nation, and tongue. From east to west. From shepherds to wise men. From Bethlehem to fishers. From the past to the present. You know, you have to feel a little bit bad for the creators of that Vatican nativity scene. They meant well, and they were just trying to communicate a story like this through art. But how can you possibly explain, express, or do justice to a story of this magnitude through images and statues? It simply can't be done. How can a nativity scene fully explain, express, or do justice to the claim that this baby is the Son of God sent to save mankind from our sins? No nativity scene can do that. And it definitely won't happen through a nativity scene with jack-o'-lanterns and astronauts and turkeys. But thankfully, we don't have to rely on nativity scenes even the good ones, to fully understand who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. For that, we read the rest of the story of Jesus's life that only just begins at Christmas. This baby grows up to do things only God can do, say things only God can say, and be perfect as only God is perfect. He proves that he really is God's Son, fully divine and fully human, the second person of the Trinity, the one equal with the Father and the Spirit, the one who is eternal with the Father and the Spirit. This Jesus really is Christ the Lord, after all. He really is the Messiah. And his arrival really is good news of great joy for all the people, including those in this room, though maybe not in ways that anyone truly expected. This baby grows up to be the perfect prophet, speaking God's words to God's chosen people and ends up dying for it. This baby grows up to be the perfect priest who reconciles all who believe in him to God by offering his own body and his own blood as the sacrifice for sins. This baby grows up to be the perfect king, establishing his kingdom not in Jerusalem on a throne, but outside of Jerusalem on a cross. We learn the full truth of who Jesus is and what Jesus has done, not by looking at nativity scenes and not by reading just a few verses of the Christmas story, but by reading the rest of the story. And no matter how much different the world is this year than it was last year, the story is the same. And Christians still have reason to worship. Jesus has come. Jesus has lived. Jesus has died. Jesus has risen. Jesus has ascended. And Jesus will come again. Jesus is still everything that Mary, Joseph, the shepherds, and the wise men heard he would be. And then some. And Jesus has still done everything that Mary, Joseph, The shepherds and the wise men heard that he would do, and then some. He is the Son of the Almighty, the Son of God, the greatest gift our fallen world has ever received. And his story is still just as powerful as ever. So for all who believe, tonight is a good night of great joy. Even in a year marked by bad news and great sorrow. The light still shines in the darkness and the darkness still has not overcome it. Even in this particularly bleak midwinter. So we praise God tonight for the gift of his son. We praise God for the birth of Jesus. We praise God for everything Jesus did after his birth. And we praise God for everything Jesus still has left to do. He has come once. And he will come again. So for now, we worship. For now, we watch for the light. Knowing that one day Jesus will be here again. We worship. We praise. We obey. We tell the good news to those who have not heard it. Like the shepherds who went away in awe that night of Jesus' birth. We proclaim his glories like the angels from heaven. And we long for the day when we will see him again. And this long winter that we are in, not just in 2020, but this long winter that is life in a fallen world marked by sin. When Jesus returns, this long winter will come to an end. But for now, we worship, and for now, we wait. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your Son, Jesus Christ. We've spent the past few weeks discussing some of these great gifts that you've given us, whether it's the gift of your word or the gift of your church or the gift of your spirit. Ultimately, all of these gifts revolve around the gift of your son. And that is who we think of. That is who we worship. That is who we remember tonight. So, Lord, thank you for Christmas. Thank you that even in a year where so much has changed, this story is the same. You are the same. And you have still saved your people from, your, from their sins by faith in Jesus. Lord, remind us of that tonight and remind us of the good news of great joy that we have, even in a dark time. We love you. We honor you. We thank you for Jesus. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen.